Welcome to the Sunny Hill Podcast. This message was recorded at our Ferndown campus. For more information about service times and locations, please visit sunnyhill.church. Okay, let's take our seats. Uh. Oh, it went quite very quickly then, didn't it? What an obedient lot you are. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Um, okay, I've just got to tell you, I am, I'm a little bit achy today. Yeah, that's the right response. Well done. My wife, Fru, had me out all day yesterday painting the shed. I was up a ladder, kind of, kind of painting in, in, in closed spaces, and now I'm aching all over my body. Have you, ever, have you ever been out and started a job? Like 10 minutes in, you think... I shouldn't have started this. Yeah, why did I start? Why didn't I get somebody to do it? Actually, Fru didn't send me out. We were all out there. We had all our slaves, sorry, our children out there helping us as well. Uh, we've got a lot of slaves in our family. It's helpful. Um, but we had a great day and we painted, we painted our, our, we've got a big shack that's outside. And now it looks lovely. It's a nice blue now. It looks like a beach hut. Uh, really good. Okay, so um, I don't know why I'm telling you that. I just wanted some sympathy, I think. Yeah. Um, it's uh, six months, I realized, actually this week, six months to the day since we opened the doors to Sunny Hill Ferndown. <laughs> happy something to you. Uh, happy launching a church day to you. That doesn't really scan well, does it? So those of you who've joined us over the past six months, um, we are so happy that you decided to to join us, to join us on this journey. We're so excited about this journey that God is bringing us on, um, that he's brought us on over the last six months and where we're going to. And we'd love it if all of you, plus many, many more from, from this community, from the Fernand community, would, would join us uh, in the future and do life with us as we attempt to bring God's kingdom, I guess, to Ferndown, which is why we're here, to be a light shining in the darkness. We know we've got a long way to go, but... But we're committed to this, aren't we? We are, Fru and I are committed to you guys and we're committed to this, uh, to this journey. We're in it for the long haul. We know it takes time, but we're in it for the long haul. And we know that God is going to do something great here. Now, the team, the great team that we have here, have put together a brilliant summer program. Okay, for the next few weeks, we've got all sorts of great things going off, uh, which kicks off next week with our... Sunny Hill Summer Giveaway. We spoke to you a little bit about this last week. What we're going to be doing, we're going to um, uh, tell everyone you know that for the next three Sundays, we're going to go outside, we're going to set up a stand just, in the, just outside the Barrington Theatre there, and we're going to be giving away, giving away bacon butties and chock ices and drinks. That's for the next three weeks. That's awesome, isn't it? Who, who says no to a bacon buddy on a Sunday morning? So yeah, join us and uh, come and do this with us. We're going to be giving away, giving away for free before the service and during the service and after the service. It's going to be great. Then in August, we're running a summer kids club as well. That's the right response. Again, this is for free. Okay. For kids aged 5 to 11, just want to make sure I get these details right, we just want to share the great, because the kids every week, they have such a great time, sorry my iPad's just died, the kids have such a great time 
Uh, in the kids' church, every week, the workers put on such a brilliant time. We thought we would share that with the world. So we're sending leaflets out to all the schools uh, in the area, and we've got leaflets if you want to take some. We're putting it on social media. We're going to spread uh, the love. We're going to give those kids a great, fun-packed, amazing time. And that's happening throughout, throughout the month of August. Uh, so the four Sundays in August, we're going to be doing that. And while that is going on, don't feel left out. Because the month of August is movie month. What is movie month, I hear you ask. Are we going to sit here watching movies? No, we're not. Although that would be good. Uh, but we are going to do movie-themed messages. Okay, so we're going to, uh, there's different movies. We've got uh, Aladdin, Les Mis. We've got Return of the King. We've got Men in Black. There's all sorts of movies going on between the two campuses. And um, we're going to be giving out... While you're watching the movies, we're going to give you out know, popcorn and snacks and, and things. So, we, so you'll enjoy a great message, just like always. We're not changing the message. The message is still the same. We're just making it a bit different and a bit interesting. So invite your friends. Let them know what's going on. There's going to be stuff again in social media. If you get those through, then share it with all your friends. Let them all know what we're doing. It's going to be brilliant. We're just presenting the gospel in a different and accessible way. I am so excited. You see, often... Church, during the summer months, churches wind down a little bit over the summer because people are away. We're not doing that. We're cranking it up. We're cranking it up because God is still on the throne and he's got a mission for us, hasn't he? Yeah. He's got plans. He's got purposes for us, all of us, for adults and for kids and for young and for old. And I, I'm certain that we at Sunny Hill Ferndale are part of his plan for Ferndale. Yeah? Now, I'm not a particularly passionate person. Really, I'm not. I'm quite laid back. But when it comes to this, I am feeling so passionate. This gets my blood pumping. Anybody who knows me knows I'm quite laid back normally. But I am passionate about what we're doing here at Sunny Hill Ferndown. And I want you to be too. I don't want to just rest on, on my blessed assurance. Create this comfortable club for us to just come to every Sunday where we just sit down we have a nice time we have a cup of tea and a cake I do want those things I do want tea and cake uh, as well but that's not my mission to eat cake although you wouldn't think it sometimes um, Fru and I and others in the team have been feeling recently that we need to be a little bit more outward looking or it, not that we should have been doing anything differently but it's time the time has come for us to be a bit more outward focus so opening the doors a little bit more going outside we've been here now for six months and we know that we can put on church on a Sunday morning reasonably well which is great I want to do the best that we can when we're putting when we when we're having church together but that's not my goal that's not our goal our goal is to encounter Jesus right our goal is to encounter Jesus we want to encounter him on a Sunday, but we want to have a relationship with him on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, and a Saturday. We want them to encounter his love. We want everyone to encounter his peace, his security. We want them to encounter his joy. I want you to encounter his kingdom and his kingship. I want them to encounter his light in their darkness. I want us to encounter his truth in a world of lies and half-truths. I want us to encounter him, his comfort, in a world of despair 
I want us to encounter his healing in a world of brokenness. I want us to encounter his stability and his reliability in a world of spin and political maneuvering. He's a rock, he's faithful, and I want us to encounter him. I want our community to encounter his grace. I want our community to encounter his grace. Feel free to say amen whenever you want. (laughs) That's what I want to talk to you today, about encountering grace. So our series is Encounter. That's what we've been looking at the last few weeks. So a couple of weeks ago, I kicked off the series by talking about encountering Jesus as God's plan, God's gift to us. We told the story of the Bible and how you know, Jesus is part in that and how he came. It was, it was always God's plan to send Jesus to save us. And then last week, through so ably spoke to us uh, about encountering Jesus, the teacher, and how Jesus is teaching us, although he taught back then through the Gospels, we read of all the things he taught, but he's still teaching us today as well. And she spoke to us about how we can look at our circumstances with a slightly different perspective when we know that he's Jesus the teacher. Because if we have an open heart and an open mind, we could learn things, whatever stuff we're facing, the good and the bad. And when we, alert, when we apply what we learn, we'll grow into better people. But today my focus is on encountering grace. Now grace is a word that we often hear in church and it's a concept that um, is actually quite an important concept in in Christianity but perhaps our concept of of grace can sometimes be a little bit warped or tempered a bit. Maybe maybe our thinking about grace is just not not big enough. Um, A couple of weeks ago I asked you about the best gift that you'd ever received didn't I? And you were all thinking about what the best gift you ever got was. Well, today, I want you to think about the worst gift you received. Okay? Just have a think. You've ever been given the gift where you think, oh, this is just not me at all. Or even worse, the person gives you the gift and they stand there waiting for you to open it and say, go on, go on. I saw this and I thought of you. You're going to love it. And you open the gift and you don't know what it is or you don't know what to do with it. And you're going, oh, this is great. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is, this is wonderful. And they go, do you love it? Yes. Yes. Back in the olden days, back in the olden days when people got married and their friends actually went out and bought them, uh, chose a gift. You all know where I'm going with this. You all chose a gift and brought it to the wedding. Um, anybody remember that when you used to go and choose a gift? Before the days when uh, we went through that period of... Uh, being sent an email with some gift list at a shop where you just choose, you never actually see the gift, you just choose it online and go, yeah, we'll give them that and that's done. Um, and you look at the list and you go, there's nothing here in my price range, oh no, five to ten pounds or four to five pounds, I'm going to get them a teaspoon to, <laughs> towards their 200 piece cutlery set. I can do that as long as I close together with these people as well and now it's even gone a stage further where they say they send us a card and they say now come to the wedding but don't buy us a gift we just want the money just give us a sweaty wash actually or even better just transfer it directly into our bank account then we never have to have any contact with you at all I'm being a bit cynical but you've all thought it you all thought it you just haven't said it out loud Anyway, Fru and I, we got married in the days when people used to go out to a shop, choose a gift, 
take it home with them, wrap the gift up, add a card, write the card, stick the card to the gift, bring it to the wedding on the day, put it on the trestle table at the back, it was laid out, ready for the gifts to go there. Yeah, you all remember that? Fru and I got married in that time. We had loads of gifts, it was brilliant. And there was this one gift. We had, a, I mean, it was literally our lounge was just packed with gifts. And we, had, we spent days opening it. It was brilliant. It was so much fun. I think there's something missing today when they don't get that. But anyway, um, one of those gifts that I was talking about, those gifts that you just don't know what it is. Fortunately, the person who gave it to us wasn't there in our lounge when we opened it. Because what they would have seen was Fru and I opening this gift and then literally crying with laughter as we looked at it going... What is that? I'm not going to tell you what the gift was because actually I still don't know what it was, um, really. Uh, and partly that, then partly they might still be listening. They might listen to the podcast and I could get offended. But it was some strange 3D artwork made out of polystyrene that was stuck onto some velvet just in this abstract shape. And we just looked at it and thought, is that and we just we laugh for about half an hour um but you can't throw it away we couldn't throw it away in case they ever visited if they visit we've got to put it up on the mantelpiece in pride of place there it is thank you very much uh, so we put it in the cupboard ready to take it out when the opportunity arose and i think you wonder where i'm going with this i think maybe that's what some of us do with grace we don't really know we've heard of it and we know a little bit about what it is but we don't really think about it too often we just put it away we're not sure how it should affect our everyday lives this concept of grace and so we put it in a cupboard and maybe bring it out when 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 we've messed up oh I've had a I've had a bad week I've messed up this week oh thank God for grace here's the grace oh thank goodness or I've um I went out last night and I got plastered but it's okay because God's grace or I wrote something mean on Facebook about somebody this week and and, and they're really hurt. But oh, thank, thank goodness for grace. Otherwise I might feel bad. Maybe we sometimes treat grace like a get out of jail free card. Or a, or a carpet that we just sweep all our nasty stuff under. I want us to try and get a better understanding of what grace is. So that we can do something with it. Grace is really important. Actually grace is the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other philosophy and religion. Every other philosophy in the world tells us that we have to work towards, we have to be good enough to get the reward. We have to do something to get good with God or to, um, to achieve what we want to achieve. It's up to us. Grace tells us We don't have to do that. It's all done for us. Jesus died on the cross so that we don't have to. It sets us apart. It's so foundational. The most common definition of grace, particularly in a a, uh, church concept, is the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. Undeserved, unmerited favor of God. And I read this quote in a book, uh, actually this week. It's a book by a pastor called uh, Judah Smith. And he said uh, grace like this, uh, grace is more than a principle, more than an idea, more than a doctrine or dogma, more than a cover-up for sin. Grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. Grace is a person, his name is Jesus. 
And then we've got the Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest friends, who wrote at the start of his gospel about Jesus. Uh, The word, as Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He came and lived with us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So it says, out of his fullness we have all received grace. Some points that we need to notice here. Uh, John is saying we've encountered Jesus and we've seen that he is full of grace and truth. Now some of us have this idea that grace and truth are mutually exclusive or, or like they're polar opposites or they're the opposite ends of the spectrum. You can have grace on one hand or you can have truth on the other. And they kind of a balance of it somewhere in the middle. Um, so you can either say, oh yeah, I'm just going to tell the truth and however much that hurts somebody, it's okay because it's the truth. It can be a little bit judgmental and you can see this in church. You can have church that is so full of truth that nobody ever wants to go because it's so painful and hurting. Or you can say, oh no, 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 I'm full of grace. I'm, the one, I'm all about grace me. And so you just let things slide and you're not willing to confront things that need to be confronted because you're so full of grace but they're not opposites Jesus was full of grace and truth Jesus personified grace and truth they're not mutually exclusive it's not about creating a balance between the two as we encounter more of Jesus then we'll get more grace and we'll get more truth together if you remember the story of the woman who was caught in adultery and they were about to stone her and Jesus you know he makes them go away we're not going to go into that story now but he says to her um, uh, who's, who's there to condemn you and she says no one and he says neither do I condemn you that's grace neither do I then he says go and sin no more and there's the truth because we need a healthy 100% dose of grace to say you're not condemned come you can come as you are you're not condemned but we also need a 100% dose of truth that says actually there's a better way to live there's a better way to live and let me help you live that way the next thing to notice in this passage it says um, that out of his fullness we have all received grace so what is that? What that means? Well, it's out of Jesus' fullness. What is Jesus full of? It tells us that Jesus is full of grace and truth. And out of that fullness, it says that we have received that grace. So Jesus is 100% grace, and he gives it to us so we can be filled with grace too. Jesus was grace. Jesus extended grace. And when you encounter Jesus, you encounter grace. But we so often miss the mark still. Two ways that we miss the mark when it comes to grace. We either try and earn our way to God. We either think like we have to do something. That can be religious activity. That can be turning up on Sunday and setting up the cafe. You know, trying to earn our way into God's favor somehow. That's one way where we think uh, you know, we have a misunderstanding. Or the other way is actually just as bad or even worse, or you know, perhaps worse, where you think, actually, because of grace, I can live however I want. 
I can sin, I can, I can live wrongly because grace will be there to cover it all up. Both are wrong. It's not a get out of jail free card. And Paul addressed both types of these misconceptions when he wrote to the church uh, in Rome uh, in chapter five of Romans. I'm gonna read it from the message version just because I like the language here. Um, it says, but sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. I love that. Sin doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. So, if you're going to have a true and proper understanding of grace, then you need to understand this, that Jesus and his grace is big enough to counter any sin that you've got in your life. Anything in your life, you think, oh, I'm not good enough, his grace is more than big enough to handle it. Okay? You can come as you are, however you feel, because his grace is big enough. And then he goes on, so what do we do? We keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? In a way, it's almost the right question. Because where he says where sin is, grace is. So the question is, does that mean we sin more? And I think if you have a true understanding of grace, then actually that's the right question to ask. But it's not the right conclusion. The right conclusion is, no, no, no. Now you've encountered grace we change and we live differently with his help, with his righteousness in us. He will help us to be different. And this idea was spreading through the church that, that because, you know, where sin is, grace is. Therefore, if I sin more, then I'll get more grace. And Paul was obviously putting a stop uh, to it. And it's wrong. And if you think about it like this, if I was to say, well, Fru and I, we've been married now for 24 years and... Fru is amazing. She loves me so much. She takes care of me. She thinks, she thinks I'm great. She is loyal and she's faithful to me. So I should cheat on her so that she can prove her loyalty to me and prove her love to me. That would be wrong, right? That would be hideous. That would just be, that wouldn't be the way you would think at all. That wouldn't be right. Why not? Because I'm not, I'm not married to an idea called marriage. I'm married to a person called fruit. And when we understand that grace is a person and not just some abstract concept, then we won't want to abuse it. We're not going to hide it in a cupboard like some unfortunate gift and wheel it out when we feel like we need it. We embrace grace and it changes us. It makes us better people. So we're going to turn to the Bible now. I want us to look at an encounter with grace that took place in the Gospels. We find it uh, in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, I want to pick up some truths that we can apply to our own lives so we can live better. And the encounter is uh, Jesus had with a short man. Okay, a guy who is short. You know who I'm talking about? Zacchaeus. Yeah, remember from Sunday school, Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a very little man. I'm not going to go there. All right, Zacchaeus, he was a short man. Um, and uh, he encountered grace 
one day in Jericho. Let's read this passage together. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Zacchaeus, by all accounts, is not a good guy. Okay, He's pretty bad. He's a reject. He's not just a tax collector. It tells us he's the chief tax collector, which means he's got an army of guys all going out for him, ripping people off, raising money for the Roman Empire, skimming a healthy chunk off the top, keeping it for themselves, uh, kind of getting rich off the poverty and the, uh, and the tax of others, and Zacchaeus is kind of right at the top of the pyramid, kind of getting really wealthy, so people really don't like him. And he hears that Jesus, who he knows is potentially the Messiah, he's heard great things and he wants to See him. I want you to understand this. That's all he wants. He just wants to see him. He's not looking for any more than that. He's not looking for a life-changing encounter with Jesus. He just wants to see him. He just wants to have a look at him. You see, many people, when they came to Jesus, we read in the Bible that they came on their knees, acknowledging their sin or affliction or acknowledging their need for something, for healing or for just for a deliverance ought to be free. Zacchaeus wasn't in that camp. He just wanted to see Jesus. He's not asking for anything. What does he need saving from? He's got wealth. He's got power. He's living the good life. Okay, yeah, no one likes him, but he goes home to his, to his hot tub with his big house and his servants and his 90-inch plasma TV. He's just, he doesn't need anything. He's got everything he needs. He's not looking to be saved. And we know that's true of many people today. They're not looking to be saved. But maybe they can hear about Jesus and think, oh yeah, I just want to have a look at that. What is that? What are you talking about? Who is this? So Zacchaeus is up in the tree. And what do you know? Jesus stops right below his tree. So he's got the best view of everybody. But then Grace looks up and says, Zacchaeus. And I read something, I can't remember when, that one of the nicest sounds that we can hear is the sound of our name being spoken by somebody who loves us. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. You and I, we're going to have an encounter today. So they head back to Zacchaeus' house together, and I can imagine them walking along the road, Zacchaeus feeling very pleased with himself, although he's shorter than everybody. He's kind of Instagram, look at me and Jesus just hanging out, best buddies. This is us walking down the road, going back to my pad. Anybody can come along, you're all invited, come and meet, come and meet the main guy, Jesus. He's my best friend and all. And so they get back to Zacchaeus' house. And we don't know how long they were there. We can only guess 
One hour, two hours, five hours. And we don't know what they talked about, which I think is a really good thing. Because if we did, we'd probably turn it into some kind of formula. But it doesn't matter how long they were there. And it doesn't matter what they spoke with. What's important is who he was speaking to. The important thing is who Zacchaeus talked with. He had an encounter with grace. And you see, grace accepted Zacchaeus when nobody else did. Grace came to his house when nobody else would. Grace looked him in the eye and showed him love when maybe nobody had shown Zacchaeus love for a long time. Grace changed everything. Zacchaeus didn't say, well, it seems like Jesus obviously likes hanging around with people like me. So I'm just going to carry on doing what I do. I'm going to keep seeing. In fact, I'm going to do it worse because Jesus obviously likes that kind of thing. No. An encounter with grace left him change. There isn't even any evidence that Jesus suggested what he should do. There isn't any evidence that Jesus said, oh, you need to give away some stuff now. You've got to, you've got to be good now. You've got to give away. You know, if, you give, if you've ripped people off, you've got to give them four, back, four times back what you've... We don't read that Jesus said that. I don't think he did. I just think he showed him love. I think he spent time with him. They ate together. They did fellowship together. And grace changed Zacchaeus. And it changes us today. You see, Jesus is not our accuser, no matter what you've been told. Jesus is not our prosecutor. He's not our judge. He is the source of unmerited and undeserved favor. He is our friend and savior. That rhymes. <laughs> He's the nicest flavor. And he wants to save you. <laughs> so be on your best behavior. I'm going to stop. No, yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, so we need to, in- oh, where was I? Sorry. We need to encounter Jesus and we need to let him, his presence change us. Because it will. When we spend time with him, it'll change us. You see, we are Zacchaeus in this story. We may not think that we're as bad as he was. And it's easy to think, oh, I'm not as bad as, I'm not as bad as that. And it's easy to compare ourselves with other people, isn't it? And think, oh, at least I'm not as bad as that person. I wish I was as good as those. There's always, there's always a range of badness in our eyes. That's not how it works with Jesus and with grace. He looks at sin all the same. It tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all on the same, in the same boat. It's all level, level playing field. We are Zacchaeus. And the point is not how bad he was. The point was how good Jesus is. And we can live our lives wanting to see Jesus in some abstract way, climbing the sycamore tree of good works and doing uh, religious activities, not entirely convinced that our lives need to change, but just wanting to get a glimpse of Jesus without committing too much. So we're Zacchaeus. We're also the crowd in this story, looking on, because sometimes we're a bit judgmental, judging those people who are not part of our club. Glad we're not like them. Maybe even avoiding them, or only engaging with them when we want to tell them what they need to change. What we should be, in this story, is Jesus. That's what we should be. We should be Jesus. 
extending the grace that we know we have received to others, not judging, but loving, not comparing, but accepting, not avoiding, but engaging. He is the fullness of grace and he's poured that grace into us. And that's what that summer program is all about. That summer program that we we spoke about at the beginning, that's what it's all about. Why are we giving away bacon butties and chock ices? Why are we setting up a kids club? Why are we making church more accessible by showing clips from movies and handing out free popcorn? Is it so we can just have a good time together? No, although we will. Is it so we can get more bodies into this building? No, but I hope we do. Is it so we can pat ourselves on the back and tell ourselves what a, uh, what a good job we're doing, I've done my bit? I really hope it isn't. I really hope it isn't. What it is, it starts with the desire to show love and grace to our community. That's our win. To look people in the eye as we put ketchup on their bacon. Look people in the eye and maybe silently say, Jesus has shown love and grace to me. Let me pour out a little bit of that grace to you. When they us outside the Barrington I want them to encounter Jesus I want them to encounter grace so if you're out there with us helping you're Jesus out there looking up at the fig tree saying you're accepted we love you let me show you grace let me show you love I want to leave you with one final thought Gideon if you could come yeah thank you one final thought about this and it's Jesus again it's Jesus talking at another time, um, actually I don't have it on the screen, I'm just going to read it to you. From Matthew 25, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me did it for me if you have given your life to Jesus then you know we owe Jesus everything he loved us first he extended his grace towards us while we were still so undeserving he showed us mercy first he died for us that we might have life we owe him and although he does love our praise and our worship although he does love it when we come to him and we sing and we and we pray to him and we acknowledge him and we and we walk with him what he really wants us to do with that debt is to give it out to others he's to he's talked before about living horizontally it's you know we live vertically giving praise to god the father but he's called us to live horizontally showing that love and extending that grace 
to those people who aren't here, who aren't with us. We show Jesus our love by extending his love to others. Remember John Newton? We talked about him a few weeks ago. John Newton, the slave trader, the captain of a slave ship who encountered Jesus and he encountered grace and it changed his life and he spent his life just like Zacchaeus trying to, you know, living differently because of his encounter with grace. And you know he wrote that famous hymn. Here I am again with my old hymns. Every single, every week I seem to come back. Amazing grace, he said. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. In just a moment, we're going to sing. We don't opt him, but we're going to do it today. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. Because it is amazing. We've encountered grace and it's changed us. Hopefully it's changed us. And I'm so looking forward to these next few weeks where we get the chance to extend that grace and that love to others. If you're somebody who's sitting here and has not really acknowledged Jesus in that way, has never really had the opportunity to receive grace in that way, then I'd love to pray with you this morning. I'd love to give you the opportunity to to make that decision, to take that first step towards him. Jesus tells us that when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. He's not going to force you. He's not going to make you. That's not, that's not how he works. He waits for us patiently. And then when we come to him, he accepts us. And if you'd like to commit your life to him this morning and, and find out about that grace, then at the end of the service, I'm just going to be stood around here or in the cafe out there eating cake. Come and find me, and I'd love to pray with you. Is that okay? Okay, we're going to sing this uh, song right now. Band, if you mind, mind coming up.